So my hat's off to uh, Chris this morning for getting through the scripture in Judges and all those names and places. That was impressive. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, who stood up here and read God's word this morning. There's so much that we can learn just by listening to scripture. And I have one more for you this morning as we continue our series in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. We're in chapter 5 this morning. If you have your Bible, if you want to open 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to be talking about verses 1 through 11. And this is what Paul writes. He says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness. For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. See, Paul tells us that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. But just in case we don't want to take Paul's word for it, Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And if Peter and Paul aren't convincing enough, John writes in Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And if those three aren't enough, Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 24, 30, uh, verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. So with all of this foreknowledge, 
that the Lord's coming will be as sudden as a thief in the night, there should be no surprise to any of us believers. But for those who are not ready, Paul says, that when we think everything is peaceful and secure, suddenly he will appear and there will be no escape for the unprepared. See, Paul spends a lot of time and effort on this idea of preparedness, doesn't he? Preparedness. He doesn't want any of us to be caught napping, to be caught unaware. And so he makes this plea to us, actually two simple pleas. Stay awake and stay sober. See, I don't think that I need to deal with the question of when all of this is going to happen. You know as well as I do that the day of the master's coming can't be posted on a calendar. He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the same time that everybody is walking around complacently congratulating one another on how we've got all of this together, we've got it easy, suddenly everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman, Paul says. But then he reminds us, Christians, he says, you friends are not in the dark. So how could you be taken off guard by any of this? We don't know the exact day, but we do know it's coming. He says, you are sons of light. You are daughters of the day. In the message version, it says, we live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. Let's walk out into the daylight, sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. See, God's not setting us up for an angry rejection. No. He's setting us up for the salvation of Jesus Christ. Do we hear that? Don't let me gloss over this. God is not setting his people up for failure. He's provided a way. And that way is Jesus. Jesus died for us, a death that triggers life. In other words, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross provides a way for life for us. Whether we're awake with the living, Paul says, or asleep with the dead, we're alive with Christ. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you can all be together in this. No one left out, nobody left behind. And he reminds us, I know you're already doing this. I'm preaching to the choir. Just keep doing it. It's easy to get complacent and feel like we have no impact in the world. I mean, we're just a small church in a small town in Texas. 
However, the impact that we have in the world is much greater than any one of us could ever imagine. And so Paul says, stay awake. How do we stay awake? Paul isn't saying that we have to stay up all night every night, not physically anyway. He's saying that we have to be mentally and spiritually awake and alive in Christ. Staying awake and alive in Christ means staying on your spiritual game every day. Reading and studying your Bible, attending church and Bible study regularly. Being a part of the fellowship and the life of the church, the body of Christ. Staying engaged in your faith community. Not allowing anything, and I mean anything, from taking you out of the regular fellowship and communion of your community of faith. When we allow the pulls and the distractions of the world to take us away from worship, to take us out of communion, to take us away from fellowship, from Bible study, from service to the community, from helping those in our community who are in need. When we allow anything to take us out of that, when we allow anything to take us out of church for more than a time or two in the course of a year, we run the risk of having our senses dulled, our priorities hijacked, our communion and our communication with each other and with God in heaven, we run the risk of having that cut off. Because we are called, believe it or not, to be Christians in community. Not Christians on an island, not doing this Christianity thing by ourselves, but in community. Anything else is liable to lull us into sleep, into a false sense of security that all is right in the world that we exist, which is a lie from the pit of hell. The powers and the principalities of this dark age want you to feel complacent. There's no hurry. There's plenty of time to get right with God. There's plenty of time to get a relationship with Jesus. Let's just live now. They want you to be distracted. They want you to separate yourself from the flock so that they can devour you like a wolf. They want to cull you from the safety of the herd, just like a gazelle, and then spring on you and destroy you like a hungry lion. And so Paul reminds us, stay awake, stay alert, stay focused, stay connected and involved with your church family, with your community of faith. And the second thing he says to us, his plea is to stay sober. How do we stay sober? See, he's not talking about abstaining from the consumption of alcohol to the point of drunkenness. He's warning us not to allow the distractions of the world to dull our senses, to steal our wits, to depress our souls. What kind of things 
in this world dull our mental awareness? What kinds of things in this world tend, tend to trend us toward foolish behavior? What kinds of things in this fallen, broken world depress our spirits, our souls? What drink, what drug, are you addicted to that affects you negatively? I'm, I'm saying drink and drug in the figurative sense. What addiction do you struggle with that takes you out of the life of the church? Out of the fellowship of believers and then wears on you constantly, little by little, gradually taking over your conscious mind, your thoughts, re redirecting the time that you should be spending in worship to other activities, intercepting your time studying God's word and causing you to do things that are far less healing, far less constructive, far less creative, far less than you were created and purposed for. What kind of addictions have the power over you to keep you from your community of faith. See, addiction is something that we all struggle with. All of us are addicts when we look for our satisfaction from anything other than whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. If we look for our satisfaction in anything other than these things, Philippians 4, 8 tells us that we are to find our sobriety in things such as these so that the God of peace will be with us. And so instead of continuing on in our addiction, what we need to do is have a new dedication. I want to encourage you this morning to make a new commitment this coming Advent season. As we prepare for the coming of the Christ child into the world, since we know that Advent is about getting ready for the coming of the Lord. I want all of us to rededicate ourselves to this community of faith, to the fellowship of believers practiced here in this holy place, to the worship of our God here in this sacred space. And you're, if you're here this morning, then you are probably one who is here almost every Sunday. Almost every time that there's an opportunity to be here in fellowship. Well, these are the familiar faces, aren't they? If you're here this morning, then you are probably one who is almost always here. 
And so for those of you regular Sunday attendees, I want you to prayerfully considering to be in prayerful consideration of encouraging those you know who are unchurched to join you here. And this goes for you folks that are on the live stream as well. If you're watching us on the live stream, I'm sure you know someone who also has a computer or a smartphone or a laptop, a tablet. However, you get to this address on Sunday morning, you can send that link to someone else. Invite people to be in this space, whether it's physically here in the sanctuary or whether it's joining us via live stream. We need people to pay attention to this message from Paul. And I want you to encourage those who you haven't seen in a while to rededicate themselves to regular participation. Let them know that when they aren't here, they are missed. Just as if a part of our own body were missing. I want you to consider engaging in this community of faith in a way that you have not done before or recently. I want you to consider attending Wednesday night Bible study. You can come in person or you can join the Zoom. Participate in the prayer ministry. Be a presence at the food pantry distribution. It's the third Saturday of every month. Visit with the people who come to that. Yeah, they're in their cars, but you know what? Their windows are down. You can have interaction with them. You can welcome them and make them feel as if this community of faith, this body of Christ, cares that they bother to show up. Let me tell you, people who are showing up in that line, Food is the secondary need. It may be a motivator to get them in line, but let me tell you, it's the secondary need. What they really need is interaction with people who care, who listen. You can be one of those people. Be present in a way that causes you to engage more deeply with your community of faith. Now, in your bulletin, I just want to point this out. There is a, uh, an insert, and it has all the various uh, opportunities and, and who uh, is in charge of those opportunities. Take this with you, look it over, and see if there's something that interests you. Something that's tugging on your heart, which is probably the Holy Spirit who dwells in you saying, I gave you gifts in this area. Use them. Don't let them sit idle. Just take that with you and think about it. Pray about it. I want all, all of us. I want for all of us, every one of us, a healing from our addiction. By turning away from those things and turning to a new dedication 
to the life of the body of Christ. The life that only exists when we are in him, about him, for him, abiding in him. In your preparation for Advent this season, prayerfully consider a new dedication, a renewed enthusiasm for the purpose that he has for you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.